welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich. I'm Vera Salzano. Ciao. <laughs> we would like to welcome you. And we would like to welcome you back to season six, episode 12. Okay, it's okay. gonna be an interesting episode, isn't it? This is the kind of day you and I are both having the kind of week, and I think even the kind of month we're both having. So we might as well just keep it real, right? Absolutely. It sounded like the Friends theme song. It's not your day, your week, your month. <laughs> so true. Now it's time to let you know that this is Thanksgiving week. I mean, it's it, we're recording this on Sunday of Thanksgiving week, but it still feels like Thanksgiving week. We celebrated Alessandro's birthday this week. It was Thanksgiving this week. So I don't have any Italian conversation prepared for us this week. And so we're skipping that this week and giving ourselves a little bit of a break. So you guys that are listening to this, you don't have to listen to us speak Italian. Listen to me speak Italian, which is probably not the most pleasant thing to do. This is going to be an extra special week because Vera is going to be talking about her home region where she was born and raised. It's always a little different when you're talking about your home region where you're from, isn't it, Vera? It is very different, but I'm so glad I don't live there anymore because, you know, now I can see it from a different perspective and I like it more now. Oh, you like it more now? Yeah. I would never move back there. But I can see the beautiful part because I don't live there. Okay, you know what's interesting about what you just said? That is exactly the experience that I have now every time I go back to California for a visit. See, isn't that amazing? Because it's not the place where you struggle, where you stress for work or school or whatever that was. It's not the place where you have to be. And so you can just look at the bright side of it. Yeah, you can choose where to spend your time you choose who to spend it with and everything sort of starts to have this magical aura about it when you visit because you're only visiting and only experiencing the best of that area yeah and now that my parents moved to tuscany i will visit less of course i mean i i will still go there because lucas family is also from lombardia so we are two lombards who moved to tuscany and but now I can just see my region from Instagram, like most people do, and see what's really, really beautiful, or just think back in the days when I was a child. So now I have this image. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there not even for two days, or it would be spoiled. Yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? Il mio ringraziamento. Si. It was the first time in my life I have ever cooked an entire Thanksgiving meal alone. Mm. And I was cooking it here at home in our kind of small Italian kitchen. And I was cooking it for Italians who had never had a Thanksgiving meal before. So the pressure was sort of on in multiple ways to make the first impression for Italians having a Thanksgiving meal make it a good impression. And the hardest thing for anyone who's ever cooked a Thanksgiving meal, and I was cooking this meal thinking to myself, my gosh, I have so much respect for every mother, grandmother, aunt, and uncle or grandfather, anyone who's ever cooked an, like, like a full-on traditional Thanksgiving meal because I realize now how hard it is. But it is a little harder 
even if you are experienced in cooking this, I think it's even harder in Italy because you don't have a lot of the ingredients you're used to having back home. If anyone who happened to see on my Instagram page the ordeal that I went through just to make a single ingredient to go in the pumpkin pies, which is, of course, like an essential part of any Thanksgiving meal, you understand that it took me at least half a day just to make the pulp, the, the pumpkin pulp to go in the pumpkin pie that we normally just go to the store and buy a can of what's called Libby's 100% pumpkin puree or whatever, and it goes in the pie as an ingredient. Anyway, I had to make that from scratch, and then it comes out, of course, more watery than the version that you buy at the store, which is a little bit more uh, condensed and, and not have so much liquid in it, and then the cooking time changes. And anyway, because the way Americans eat, all of these dishes have to be served on the same plate, and they have to all be piping hot. And so to try to get them that way, it's challenging. But all that to say... I somehow pulled it off. After it got dark right before dinner, I ran out into the local parks and neighborhoods and, and secretly broke off branches and brought in a bunch of like leaves and branches and decorated the whole dining room. So it was like we were sort of sitting under a canopy of fall leaves. And when Alessandro's family came into the apartment, they're like, oh my gosh, what in the world is this? It sort of like looked like you were sitting under this table of all these leaves and there were leaves on the table, but they enjoyed it. The first time I'd ever made gravy in my entire life turned out that it was, it was actually edible. The mashed potatoes weren't too lumpy. The pump, one of the pumpkin pies was actually edible and they enjoyed it. And the turkey was, I, I give all the credit to the fact that it was a local Italian turkey. It was the best turkey I've ever had in my life. I can't believe I'm even saying that. I think it's just because it was an Italian turkey. I think I oversalted the green beans. But other than that, I think that it actually ended up being a pretty fair success. Only wish you had been here to share it with us, Vera. Can I book next Thanksgiving? I will have to cook, but I want to spend next Thanksgiving with you. Oh yeah, please do. I would love that. And now that I know how to do it, I'll be a little more prepared. And I would actually really enjoy having you and Luca experience a real American Thanksgiving meal. It'd be really, really special to have you. Yeah, I would love to. And you know, mashed potatoes are so different in American and in Italy. I don't know why, because it's like the most basic thing you can do with potatoes, just mash them, and yet it's so, so different. Can you tell us why? Well, why is that? I don't know. The taste, the texture is different. So I boil my potatoes, skin on, that's very important, and then I peel them and just use a special tool to make puree. I don't even know how to call it. No, not that one. I'll show you. Give me a second. Okay. Yeah, oh, you're going to show me. Okay. Yeah. So you can describe it. So not the measure. Oh, yeah. This. We call that a ricer. A ricer? Like something to make rice? To make it like the texture of rice. Okay. So you do this. You use the ricer and pour all the potatoes in a hot pan with butter on the bottom and add milk and stir. Add milk and stir and salt and parmesan cheese and some more butter and some noce moscata nutmeg yeah nutmeg thank you 
Okay, so you mentioned two ingredients that we don't put in ours, which is the Parmesan cheese and the nutmeg. We use butter and we use milk and salt and pepper. So it'll be interesting to make mashed potatoes with you someday because I know you're the potato queen and you love yeah. anything made from potatoes. I don't know. Maybe the milk is different, first of all. And then uh, the texture. I mean, for us, it's you don't have the little lumps, not even a little bit. I love American mashed potatoes, but they are mashed potatoes. I mean, that's what they are. You can still taste the potatoes, but they're just mashed. Well, for us, it's like, um, I don't know, the texture is like a cream. Hmm, I don't know. I think you put more milk in yours, which makes it a little bit runnier. And you basically use it almost like the way you use polenta, a sort of a bed to like mm -hmm. put meat on, right? Like a nice piece of meat sits on it and then you sort of the juice from the meat and like that's how you enjoy it right it is perfect so remember that mashed potatoes in in the united states for thanksgiving goes with gravy it has to have enough body to make a sort of moat and then you fill that moat with gravy so that's why the texture is a little bit different i was talking to alessandro's family while we were having dinner and gravy by itself to go on potatoes is not something that you guys do here. The gravy always goes with the meat, doesn't it? Yeah, because it, the meat makes it. I mean, when you cook the meat in some sofrito or vegetables, that's how you make the, the gravy. How do you make your gravy? I don't think it's fair to say how I make my gravy because that sounds like I have a long history of it. I made my gravy by watching a YouTube video 10 minutes basically before I served it. It's basically, I use the technique of using what we call the drippings baked into the pan. So you gotta like remove that. So you take something, either some red wine, if you're using it, if you want it to be kind of a darker or a, a white wine and you sort of deglaze, you put that on the stove over some heat on the stove, the cooking pan, and you heat it up and then you add some wine or something in there, broth or something, to then remove those that, that stuff that's been baked onto the pan to add extra flavor to your gravy. And then in a separate saucepan, I took butter and a little bit of flour and I cooked that for about 10 minutes, which I think is called a roux. Mm -hmm. And then you've strained off all the drippings and all of the juices from the meat. You strain that out so it's just liquid. There's none of the, the herbs and the spices and all that stuff in it. It's all just you know liquid now. You put that now into that roux and stir that, and it gets thick, very thick. And then you add either more broth or water or milk or whatever, I guess, and you just stir it and keep stirring it until it becomes gravy. That's how I made the gravy. Love it. And you also have never heard of that method before, have you? No, I mean, obviously it's very similar to what we do. It's just the order of the steps that changes. Because we cook uh, the meat wherever it is, in the oven or on the stove, in a bigger pan. And then what you were struggling to describe to me. So all that greasy part at the bottom, uh, let's say I made um, a roast, okay, or something. I take the meat out of the pan, add butter, add, well, not really flour, maybe 
uh, starch instead of flour. For gravies, it's better than flour, I think. So I add that, I add some butter or some more broth or wine, depending on the recipe. And then I use that gravy, that sauce that is still in the pan for the meat. The mashed potatoes or puree, as we call them, are just right there on the same plate. And then you use it to scoop it, the gravy. Okay. But we don't just put it in a different saucer or, you know, bowl and put it on the mashed potatoes. It's with the meat because that's where it was created in the meat pan. But it's the same idea. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people that are listening to this are probably like, Nathan, come on, we put gravy over our turkey, over the stuffing, over the mashed potatoes. We just douse everything in gravy, and that's true. You know, it's interesting, you talked about using cornstarch, and the other day while I was at the grocery store, I accidentally bought, thinking I was buying powdered sugar because I didn't pay attention to what I was grabbing off the shelf. I looked at the picture instead of reading the words, and I was in a hurry. I got home and found out that it was actually potato flour, which I'd never even heard of before. So that is actually what I put in my gravy was potato flour. Uh -huh. Very good, especially if it went with mashed potatoes. We do use frumina or um, what you bought, basically potato flour uh, for cakes. I always use, when I make like a sponge cake, a very dry breakfast cake, we call it nonna's cake. A torta de la nonna, or usually it's a ciambella, the cake with a hole in the middle. And we use half regular flour, double zero flour for desserts or pasta, whatever, double zero flour, and half of that. So you mix them. Uh, yeah, I would say half and half because it's fluffier. The cake is fluffier and lighter, like in weight. When you grab a slice, it's literally lighter than. Uh, compared to a cake that you bake only with regular flour. Hmm, interesting. Okay, now I know how to use that. I'll just have to add that because I have a whole bunch left. I only used a few tablespoons in the gravy. I now know what I'll do the next time I make a cake, not that I bake very often. That'll be an interesting thing to try. Thanks for that tip. You know, you were talking about Thanksgiving here and the fact that now we're looking forward to spending Thanksgiving. It's it'll be a year from now, but we're spending we'll be spending Thanksgiving with you next year here in Italy, hopefully. So when Alessandra and I were like planning out how we want to spend our year, where do we want to be during the spring, fall, winter, and summer? Like which country do we want to be in? Do we want to be in the United States? Or do we want to be in Italy? And I always told him the only thing I care about is that we are in the United States for Thanksgiving. Ta-da! <laughs> I know. And, and this year, just because of the way things have been and the fact that we needed to be here for, for this time of the year, this particular year, this was the first time we were here for this holiday, now I realize I do not need to be in any particular country. I can be in Italy and I can enjoy Thanksgiving here and it still feels like Thanksgiving to me because it's who you spend it with. It's the fact that his family was here and we all sat around. And yes, we didn't have the typical Thanksgiving. I don't know if you know this, Veda, or not, but the way Thanksgiving works, you meet at your family's house, whichever family member is hosting. You meet around noon or one or two o'clock, like, and you eat your Thanksgiving meal at that time of the day. So it's like a late lunch for Americans. Mm -hmm. You eat your big 
Thanksgiving meal, and then you sit around, play games, watch TV, watch football, take a nap, go for a walk, whatever you do with your family, maybe all of those things. And then you all start getting hungry again around, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. And you take all the leftovers and you pull them back out and you make turkey sandwiches and some, or just maybe the same thing. And you have all these desserts, apple pie and pumpkin pie and whatever everybody brings. Every family has their own traditions, but that is what you'll be experiencing next year. Because I was like, Alessandra, we have to figure out how next year to do that, to, to really do the, the real American thing here. But because I was so disorganized and I didn't have my stuff together, we ended up eating a at the very late uh, time of like 8.30 at night here, which is a typical time for Italians to have dinner. So it worked out great for the Italians. But that would normally be when we were having our second round of Thanksgiving meal. I can't wait to try a turkey sandwich. Please tell me it's not cold. Well, what do you mean? The sandwich or the meat? The meat. I don't believe in serving cold turkey in a turkey sandwich. I believe it's a very horrible thing for turkey meat to be dry. So what I'll do is I'll start immediately making a broth out of the turkey bones and skin and all of that stuff. I make a broth out of it. You know, you put carrots and onions and garlic and celery and salt and pepper into this with all the bones and everything and start making this broth. So then when it's time to eat the turkey meat, you first of all, you don't put it in the refrigerator. You leave it out so it stays room temperature. So it's never refrigerated, for, for me at least. And then when you're ready to eat it, you sort of add some of that hot broth to it so it really gets very moist and then you make a sandwich with it and the sandwich for me the perfect turkey sandwich is whatever kind of bread you want i was raised on sliced bread or a baguette or whatever kind of bread you want doesn't matter your preference but then mayonnaise of course and you have to have pickles. It has to have dill pickles. It's going to also have a slice of cheese. So my favorite would be like pepper jack cheese and some lettuce and some really good dark meat. That's just my preference. And oh my gosh, that's the most delicious turkey sandwich ever. Love it. <laughs> we'll see how much you love it, Meta, when you taste it. I do. No, I was just worried when I asked you, please tell me it's not cold. Because we do eat turkey quite a lot here in Italy. I mean, I make it pretty often. Uh, and turkey is a meat that you can also enjoy when it's cold. But it's not the same turkey you eat for dinner. I mean, it's a different preparation, right? So uh, there are certain preparations. And if I think of a whole turkey in the oven, probably, yeah, room temperature is fine. But sometimes I've been invited, uh, you know, by Americans in their home and they were like, oh yeah, please help yourself. There's some chicken or some turkey in the fridge for sandwiches. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And I opened the fridge and here there was this huge chicken, because I guess it was chicken, like intact that you could cut off and it was just a note that was not supposed to be in the fridge that is supposed to be hot I'm, I'm italian so i make the rules here don't mind me but i want to tell you something right now bravo sei finalmente un italiano vero perché 
Well, you're a real, true, authentic Italian now because I asked you about your Thanksgiving and we spent the last 25 minutes talking about food. You made it. You're Italian. Mamma mia. Finalmente. <laughs> okay, let's get into today's interview. I'm really looking forward to sharing my conversation with Darren with you. I have been sort of back and forth talking to Darren and him and his partner moved to Milan and have been living there for several months now. And I'm, I'm just excited for you to hear his perspective and how life has been since he moved to the city of Milan and the region of Lombardia. So enjoy my conversation with Darren. And when we return, Vera will be sharing all of her information about this fantastic home region of Lombardia. Hey, Darren. So nice to have you here. Yeah, Nathan, great to be here. This is a, a real thrill for me. Darren, you and your husband have been in Italy now for how long? Oh, almost three months now. It is time to fly. So we've, we got here early, uh, early September. Now, how long have you guys been planning this move to Italy? About a year <laughs> by the time it actually happened. It's been, yeah. So we actually found out right before we got married. So we um, got married in uh, one year ago, uh, <laughs> November of uh, 22. And um, his, his boss was, you know, proposed, hey, how would you like to work abroad for two years? And we're like, well, why not? Let's look into it. And so we announced at our wedding and we were anticipating Q1 of 23. Well, almost. <laughs> <laughs> September before it happened, as you as you know, and you can imagine moving to another country is very complicated. And there was a lot of ducks to get lined up and we eventually got them. <laughs> first of all, congratulations on your first anniversary. You just celebrated that. Thank you, Nathan. Yes, yes. We had a great time in uh, in Venice and celebrated. We um, for a honeymoon, we got a bottle of champagne from the Champagne region outside of Paris, and we uh, had that bottle and kept it. And so we like had a gondola ride in Venice and <laughs> our uh, honeymoon champagne on our anniversary. So, yeah, it was wow on the gondola. On the gondola, yep. <laughs> At night, it was great before our, before our dinner that we had in Saint Mark's Square. It was all the things. <laughs> That's like a scene right out of a movie. That's I know, you can't write that maybe, maybe better. <laughs> you really can't. That's pretty great. Good for you. I, the fact Thank that you, you were even able to bring it with you and make sure you weren't drinking out of the bottle, you must have brought some flutes with you. <laughs> no, it was not fancy. We had um, plastic cups from the hotel. <laughs> we just poured it out of the, from the bottle. and It was, it was great. <laughs> that makes it even better. I love that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, so now you mentioned that your husband is here for work for two years. Yeah, yeah. So he works um, for in finance for a company that has a big presence in Europe. And so his job is to help them with getting aligned with uh, the with what, what corporate's doing. So yeah, he's um, been to Europe a few times and been to um, Asia before. So he's been a little bit here and there for work. So he's definitely understands travel more. So he's definitely one that helps me understand how everything works with travel and planes and being abroad. So it definitely was nice that he already had that like comfort level. He drives here and the way I am, so I'm very happy to jump on a train, walk everywhere and living in a city like Milan, that is no problem. 
Right. Milan. I mean, I can't think of a more crazy place to move in Italy than the city of Milan. I mean, it doesn't get any more busy and more exciting than that. Yeah. When I'm thinking of like all the adjustments to, you know, move to a a different country, I feel like moving into a city like this is probably the biggest adjustment. Like we, um, I grew up in suburbs. Um, Yeah. Josh, my husband, he grew up in a very small city in uh, in Ohio. We both, that's where we both grew up in Ohio. Going from, you know, a small place and to be in a huge city like this has been really a lot. It's been fun, but it's definitely been an adjustment. Yeah. Ohio to Milan. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was born in Canton, Ohio, which is the birthplace of football and uh, Akron, who most people know for tires and LeBron James. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's been definitely a lot to adjust to. Okay, so Josh is here for his job and his work. Now, what does that mean your life looks like while you're here? <laughs> That's another huge adjustment. I um, registered a nurse and then went further into being a nurse practitioner in psychiatry. So I actually lived in Georgia for a little bit and practiced there in Georgia as a nurse practitioner. Absolutely loved it. But then looking into the opportunity to move to Italy and how that would work. I, I technically have the ability to work with the type of visa that we're I, when he has a work visa, the family visa, and definitely all able to, but with nursing in Italy, they don't really have a nurse practitioner role. And I'm honestly just decided, you know, when am I also going to have the opportunity to live, you know, in a, in, in, in Italy for two years just to enjoy. So I think, I think my main priority is just to kind of keep busy and explore and trying to be open to what opportunities will come up. What a dream situation to go from being yeah. a, a nurse practitioner in the United States, where I'm sure you must've had years and years of schooling just to get through that. Cause that takes a lot to mm-hmm. get through that. And you're working as a nurse practitioner. And now you have this opportunity to kind of take a couple years off and just be a resident of Italy for a couple of years. That is amazing. Yeah, I'm calling it my sabbatical. So (laughs) I absolutely plan to, you know, go back and we'll we'll go back to Ohio and to, you know, practice and resume life again there. But uh, taking this opportunity to enjoy enjoy just time Um, with my husband and enjoy time to enjoy Europe. I've already just in the three months we've been here already, you know, explored a couple areas of Italy and explored a couple of the European countries. And oh, as my grandma says, I don't sit still very long. <laughs> well, you're in a good place if you don't like to sit still because there's so much to see. Yeah, 100%. You can walk just from here to the, like the, the Duomo is the big center of town with the big, big Gothic, beautiful church. Um, you can walk there and just see buildings from the you know 1300s, whatever, just and explore this the old city walls and the castle and just be in awe and then also very modern skyscrapers <laughs> it's wild it's a really interesting city because it's so modern and you know us americans yeah. we have this idea of italy as this like sort of quaint stone houses and little winding mm-hmm. streets and milan is like the opposite of that isn't it yeah, it is. But you still have those mixed in of those little features of, you know, these um, that take you back to that time. So it's really, really fun. Vera talks in the, the later part of this episode, she talks about how the aperitivo culture and the aperitivo kind of oh, started yes. in Milan. Oh, love it. It is so cool. Yes, it's really enjoy, you know, because 
you know, in the States used to eating about five or six. And of course you would never eat dinner here at that time. That'd be silly. Um, so you go and have this wonderful, you know, um, drinks and have some, you know, chips and sandwiches or whatever. You can go to a couple different places and just fill up an aperitivo if you really wanted to. <laughs> like it's, it's so cool. So yeah, that's awesome. I did not know that started here. That's really cool. Alessandro went to school in Milan and he oh, got, cool. I think he got a PhD there and in psychotherapy. And so he lived there for a couple of years and he enjoyed doing it as well. And there's this one, so he took us to his favorite spot, which is right along this one canal. Have you been to that area mm -hmm. along the canal? Yeah, it's so cool. It definitely, you know, gives you a little vibe of like Venice, but it's, it's really neat there. Exactly. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like you're in Venice right there on the canal. And then there's all just on both sides. There's just tons of spots to go. You yeah. brought up a really good point and I'm glad you said it. So I didn't have to because <laughs> I still get hungry every day around five or six <laughs> o'clock. Like we're just, it's a, it's a lifetime of programming. It's hard to get past yeah. that. That's when Americans eat. And, and so the aperitivo allows you to have sort of like feed that sort of hunger craving mm -hmm. without feeling like you're being like this kind of like gluttonous American, right? <laughs> yes, it's perfect. Yes. And I mean, if we're not going out for an aperitivo, a lot of times, um, like my husband will get home from work and um, I don't have, you know, dinner ready or not like super hungry for dinner. I'll, you know, we'll slice up some mozzarella and, uh, or some crackers or tomato or some mozzarella and some meat, do like a little baby charcuterie deal. It's, uh, it's really fun. So definitely kind of enjoyed incorporating that into the to the habit. I see you've got behind you on your sofa. I see a, a, a looks like a dog pillow or a <laughs> that's our baby Nala. She our <laughs> uh, um, one and a half year old golden retriever. She is such a great adventure dog. She goes along with us for most of our trips. She, you know, we walk around in the city and um she was with us in Tuscany. She loved it there. She just, yep, she's, she's our baby. <laughs> we have the dog and two cats. So getting those trans, you know, those the animals transferred over here from the US, that was a whole process. And I think you talked about that one of your episodes before. It is, oof. we actually went through a pet moving service. And that was still, they helped us with paperwork, but really it's um, getting a lot of paperwork and getting very, very specific requirements from the vet. They do, they do their requirements and then they send the information, to the USDA who gives like the final approval. And that's very, very time sensitive. So that has to be done within, I believe one week of them actually leaving the US. So what we did is so we got all this the vet stuff lined up and they helped get and they worked with the vet so the, a pet moving service really is i don't know how we would have done it without it i mean i was still not working at the time i had all the time in the world and i was my head was spinning even working with you know the pet moving people and my husband was working with them we were all just trying to get things lined up so that you know so that happened there's so many very specific like crate requirements so you know it has to be so big they have to be able to sit stand and lay down and move or they won't the, they won't even get sent and so then we, they booked the, the airline ticket and then we were going to catch a flight out of chicago to go to milan so we drove from ohio to chicago to drop and then drop them off with the pet sitters and this was still it was still hot at you know this time of year um it was you know early september so our flight went off and we were hoping that they would fly a couple of days later well there was a heat embargo, which means they they can only fly um, in the cargo hold where we would you know where they would go 
on their flight if the temperature was at a, below a certain level and it was above that level for like a week or so and they couldn't get the flight so they were like a whole extra week or week and a half that we that they were just stuck in boarding so then the time elapsed on that pet certificate that happened because again it, it can only be within seven days so then the the, the borders they took them to the vet uh, or a different vet because it couldn't have been our vet that was in Ohio so <laughs> they had a different vet all in all with all the it was that added again more cost um which again the company was able to reimburse so that was you know good so it was kind of the, the course moved so that made again it was a little bit easier and not like a, an expense but it was several thousand dollars on to get <laughs> So I've never heard of those heat requirements. I find that to be very interesting. That's definitely something that you would never even think about. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know. Until, again, a lot of this stuff we don't know until you're doing it. And um, yeah, I think it's because they're in the cargo hold and it's pressured, pressurized. So if you are in that level of heat and they're on the tarmac for the between, you know, all that, then it's going to be too hot to you know be safe for them. So, yeah. Milan, Italy cities are just so dog friendly. You see dogs in like IKEA. You see dogs everywhere. There's um, I think I heard Rome just opened up like a dog restaurant that's just caters to dogs specifically. But Nala is very very playful and got she has a lot of that golden retriever energy. So we're kind of taking <laughs> not taking her as many places because she just would be so excited. I want to hang out and say and say hi to everybody. But such a good culture here. Okay, so when your dog and your cats got here, was there some kind of quarantine period they had to go into? No, no. Luckily, no. Not not with um, the EU. I believe with um, the UK, they have the different requirements. They have much more strict, several weeks long quarantine requirements because of that. So yeah, that was no problem there. You guys had some boxes that you had to have shipped over. Were those just like, I'm assuming they just came like on air freight or something? And how many boxes and, and how was that process? Yeah, that was, again, something we didn't realize how complicated it would be until we just got information as we went. And <laughs> so with that, we mostly like clothes or household things or personal knickknacks just things that um, we just wanted to make sure we had with us. Um, we, don't, we, were, we knew we were going to get a furnished apartment, but we didn't quite know what all would come with that and how that would work. So, you know, things that I thought we would really need and would be helpful. And there's certain things we brought. I'm like, why would I have needed this? And certain things I'm like, I wish we would have brought instead. So, you know, we're figuring it out as we go and that's okay. So yeah, there was, I think about 10 boxes that we, that we brought. Um, and we started packing things that it'd be nice to have later because we knew it would be a while before we got everything settled and we actually get set boxes. So things that, that we didn't need right away. And we got all, them, all, all the boxes packed and pretty much ready. And then we found out, oh, they needed to be individually cataloged for Italian customs. That's like a very specific Italian customs thing. <laughs> so they do open all the boxes and go through everything and categorize like five pants, five shirts, five whatever, and very specific. And then you also found out we couldn't have any batteries or any like food or medicine. So there's a couple odds and ends things that we had to remove, like holding the batteries. <laughs> so it was a process. And again, we were just learning as we went and tried to be flexible as we could. 
we were living in Georgia for a little bit and then we moved all of our stuff from Georgia and put that into storage. Before before I went to Georgia, I'd also had I still had a house in Akron, Ohio. Um, I have some friends that are living there to kind of um, you know helping take care of it. So I saw a lot a lot of my stuff in like basement and storage, and they can, are able to you know to use the rest of the house. So it it's kind of cool. I never really had to move all of my stuff overseas or storage. So working out pretty well right now. So we have a storage unit in in Ohio and the house in Ohio and stuff over here. <laughs> Nice. Okay. So you have a place to go back to after these two years in Italy are over. You have, you know, where you're going back. Yeah. And we have a place to stay for, for the holidays. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. To, it's a cool setup. Okay. So are you guys going home for the holidays this year for Christmas? Yeah. So we'll, yeah, be spending two week two weeks there for Christmas. So be able to, you know, see family and, you know, celebrate the, the holidays there. And, you know, incorporate some of the things that we're learning over here. So, you know, for instance, you know, Pentatone, you know, actually from it, from Milan as well. So um, get to, you know, maybe take some Pentatone home for the family to enjoy. Um, I also trying to maybe have a, have some fish for uh, for Christmas Eve and to, yeah. So, you know, incorporate some of these really cool traditions that we're enjoying and learning about here to share there with our family in the U.S. Very nice. The idea of moving to Italy and knowing that it's only two years, it's a different thing, isn't it? Like, it's a different thing than knowing you're yeah. going to be here forever. I'm trying to just be a sponge and absorb everything I can. Um, so kind of in a way, I feel like I'm an observer. I feel like I'm trying to kind of fit in as well. I'm trying to, I don't really feel like as much like a tourist as much whenever I'm like actually trying to be able to speak Italian and like can, I can order food and, you know, if I can order without them, like, just speaking in English to me right now, because again, a lot of people in, especially like a cosmopolitan city like Milan, they speak English and they could, doesn't take a whole lot of investigative work to see, okay, this guy's probably not from Italy and speaks English. So yeah, I think that I feel less like a long-term tourist whenever I can actually say hello. And I think uh, I was on a bike ride and just looking out and saw some birds and I said, Oh, Edello. No, I said, oh, seed. So it's like to this nice old lady. And I just like, that made me so happy. Like, oh, I had a nice genuine interaction. Even if it was, look at that pretty bird. <laughs> so things like that help me feel like I'm actually belong here and fit in. So yeah, it's a little bit of both. I'm just trying to enjoy and take advantage, full advantage of this opportunity as much as I absolutely can. So it, I'm assuming that like, there's not a chance that you will fall in love with Italy after this sort of two-year honeymoon period that you, I mean, what a great way, by the way, to spend your first two years of marriage. I mean, how amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So 100% falling in love with Italy. That's definitely, I think we already knew that we would. But I think we're very committed with, you know, the idea of going back to the U.S. and raising a family. And I want, I think one of the most rich and beautiful parts of my life was that I had I still actually I still have two living grandmothers and I had a you know grandfathers and I really just was able to really enjoy that family. And so I think that's really important for me to raise a family with where you know my family is most of all all of them in the US, most of them in Ohio. So yeah, definitely that is a is a goal. But what's nice is that my great grandparents um came over from Italy and the way the 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 laws work out, I believe I'll be able to claim citizenship through blood. So I will, um, the goal is while we're here, once we get our residency stuff 
figured out, which we're still working on getting for, you know, and you know, that whole process is, is complicated. So once we get the residency, then we will work with um, getting our citizenship here figured out. So then perhaps down the road, you know, we could retire here, have property here, but the immediate goal is definitely to go, you know, after, after our time here, start a family and see what happens. Okay, now before we started recording, you and I had a little conversation where we were talking about your Italian great grandfather. Was it mm-hmm. your great grandfather and great grandmother? Yeah, yeah, both of them um, were born in Italy and um, came to the U.S. and uh, uh, nat- naturalized, and were um, very, very much assimilated by the time my my, my grandmother was born. And um, so, you know, Italian was spoken only as she sits um, when they were, when they didn't want the kids to know what they were talking about um, <laughs> or if like, or, you know, relatives or family from it, from Italy was over, but that was pretty much the extent that my grandmother um, grew up speaking Italian. I, she taught us um, two very important words in Italian. Um, yeah. Manja. And, uh, <laughs> and she also knew you have to see to shut up. So shut up and eat. So that's, I think that that's the Italian I came with and I've, learned a lot more since <laughs> now did you did you know these italian great-grandparents did you ever meet them or did they pass before you were born or, or remember them yeah they yeah they, they passed before i was born so i did not get to to meet them but i got to you know hear lots of stories and um get to i got to meet a lot of my you know great great aunts and uncles and definitely lucky okay so you guys are going home for christmas now, who's coming to visit you guys from the United States first? Because I'm sure there's a long list of people that can't wait to come visit you. Yes, yes. So we've been asking everybody, yes, make your plans, make your arrangements and telling when it's cheaper, when when to go. And how. So finally, yes. Yeah, so we just actually had two visits on the books already. So very excited um, at the Lumley Inn here in Milan, uh, as, as we'll be saying. So yeah, my um, Aunt Elaine is the first person to um, book a trip. So she'll be there in January. And then uh, my friend Trisha will be coming out uh, around Valentine's Day. So it's definitely really excited to have uh, those visitors here. It's, I mean, it's awesome here, but it's definitely nice to be able to share that with friends and to you know, be more and have that connection with them. So I'm super excited about that. So do you guys have a, like a guest setup or a guest bedroom or like, what, what is like, tell me about the place where you, where you're living right now, this furnished apartment that you guys got. Yeah, no, we definitely were really lucky. We have, um, I'm, I'm now in, um, my, in the kind of the guest room or office room has a nice balcony uh, off to the side. So we have in um, like a closet and then we have a guest bathroom and then our room has a balcony and a bathroom and then the balcony goes to like the living or like the kitchen and it's very, very much an open concept with the kitchen dining and living room area. It's a little smaller, but that's hey, whatever. <laughs> we definitely have a lot of, yeah, a lot to offer with when people come over. So I'm really excited about that. I've always loved, you know, when I was when I could go to New York City and take the subway. I've always just been a huge fan of, uh, you know, public transit and trains. And so, I mean, I could get on any of the, like a bus, tram, or a subway, go to Central Station, that's just like one stop for us, and be anywhere, like anywhere in Italy, pretty much anywhere in Europe, if I want to take a long enough train. So it's just so I'm so excited about that. So yeah, when we went to Venice, we took the train. And that was like two-ish hours and it was, it was beautiful. And even like the airports are connected to this transit. So like 
I can you know, short walk from you know from our place, can get on a tr- on transit, get to the airport, and then from that city, it's probably a transit. So I went to flew to Berlin not so long ago, and then <laughs> took transit wherever I wanted to go in Berlin, and then transit all the way back. So I never had to step foot into a car, like <laughs> bopping all around Europe. So definitely a really wonderful thing I'm enjoying. Just Italy by itself has so much to see. And like, if you went, you know, if every week you went somewhere to try, you still wouldn't see all of Italy in the two years that you oh, yeah. lived here. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that you guys want to probably take trips other places around Europe. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you'll probably yeah. end up in places like Greece or Spain. Oh, yeah. And I mean, right. I mean, so you're probably going to want to besides getting to know Italy. You're, I'm sure you're going to, you've got to, you want to go all over other places in Europe as well. Right. Oh, 100%, Ethan. Yes, absolutely. We um, really would love you know, to go to Northern Europe and see like Amsterdam, um, places like, you know, places like that. Um, absolutely would love to go to Spain, see, go somewhere where you can speak a little Spanish. I definitely know a lot more Spanish, which is in some way made it a little easier and harder to learn Italian. <laughs> oh, it should be this way because of Spanish, but nope, it's not. It's different. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, just anywhere. I'm never going to turn down a trip. <laughs> oh, and also, I'm really excited to be close to Salzburg. I'm a huge Sound of Music fan, so you know, to see all the, the sites there. Yes! <laughs> and Vienna, just... I have not been to Salzburg yet, and I am oh. dying to go. So yes. before you go, can you just let me know before you plan your trip? Yes, 100%. Because- That'd be so cool. <laughs> I might want to just invite myself to just come with you for like a day because I'm dying yes. to go there too. I love that movie. I don't even care how cliche. Oh. I don't care. I don't care. It's okay to be cliche. Yes. Right. But it's so close yes. here. It's so close yes. to where we are on this side of Italy. Yes. I mean, we're just right below Austria right. over here. I'm yeah. dying to go. So please let me know when you go. All right. Hundred percent, Nathan. Absolutely, that'd be so fun. Yes, we can explore and see the hills. Yes, oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How has it been for Josh? He's here working now. He's working mm. for a company that's like an international finance company. How has it been for him to adjust to working in Italy? Has it been? It has to be a, a pretty major adjustment. It's kind of nice. He's worked in like that, that office before. So he's actually gone. You know, been here in in Milan and actually worked in the office before. Um, he's doing a lot of the same, you know, the same projects he was working on before, but just working there in you know in an office working with the team. The team there works mostly speaks English, so yeah, it's American company with you know the presence there. So you know, it's definitely it's you know it's not been it's, it's been good for him. He's been enjoying it. Um, it's you know it's just been I'm learning a lot just through what. The work culture in Italy is through him. Like they have, um, most of the, like employers have a com- like commissary, and you go and eat lunch there. A couple of times, it took me a while to understand that, and I'm like, "Well, hey, you can take some leftovers, or what do you want? Do you need lunch?" He's like, "No, I there's lunch there." Like, oh, okay. I'm like, "What did you have for lunch today? What was that?" <laughs> it's it, it reminds me almost of of school lunch where you eat orders what he wants that day and there's the two choices and he goes down and gets it so that's cool it's it, you know, it's 
about 40, 40 or so minutes away, you know, by car because it's a little bit out, out northeast. And I mean, it's hard enough here in our little town, but to have a car oh. in Milan, a parking in your building. We're, yeah, we're, we're, it's just right across the street, but it's a it's a private garage and it's very, very, very nice. Um, yeah, before that, oh, it was very stressful to find parking. And then to, um, just, yeah, um, you can't park in the same streets everywhere. And there's, of course, signs you can in any city. But again, if you don't know, what you're looking for or you don't necessarily speak the language then um like one time a car was towed because it was you know um a a, a market was at that day so can you park and it was the market and uh didn't have to go so you know things like that we learn and um so that was before we had the garage and we had a temporary apartment before we had the apartment right now so that was then and yeah now it's actually really cool like we you drive it in and they park it and then they just say when do you want it next and they say oh the money you know and they say okay you guys are living in a building that that has valet service that's very nice yeah yeah it's, it's pretty cool i mean it's just was the option that i had that we had here so not something we just you know so i was like oh that's what they said okay we'll do it whatever it's but it's nice Give me a yeah. quick story about how you got the right. car back. Or how did you find out it was towed in the first place? Yeah. So again, because you know, Josh knows you know people at work who can kind of bit you know help us understand things and you know speak English. So you know they saw the showed the sign that where the car was where it said you know not to park there. And said, oh yes, I know where this is. And so they they gave us the number of the impound lot, and we got. I think we were able to verify that that is indeed where the car was and you had to go to the, the impound lot and think that we thought there'd be a whole other process and more ended up being pretty straightforward just to be able to pay with the card and again she spoke enough english to help us with it <laughs> but yeah that was stressful we were, luckily it wasn't too far from where we were to <laughs> go find find the car and drove back as we've been adjusting and learning is just a little extra layer of complicated it's just a different process and then to try to oh no how do i figure this out and oh no what if i can't speak to them and so it's just a little bit low and i think i'm getting more and more comfortable as i've been here more to just no you got to do it you know go into the little market and fumble around if you need to and just say what you want and you know so just doing that i know that's something you talked about too you just gotta not let that fear of not being able to speak you know properly pulled you back now you're in italy you're six hours mm -hmm. time difference between italy and ohio yeah how has it been for you darren to stay in communication and are you doing a lot of facetime calls how do you stay in touch i think that's been the biggest thing to adjust to i'll, I'll wake up and I'll, I'll like oh what time is it over there oh it's yeah, definitely everyone's sleeping that I know. And so I can't talk to them. Like, so just yesterday, I'm trying to find a time, like, talk to my mom. And so I called and like, well, she didn't answer. Is okay. Then she called, texted me back at like quarter 11 and, or 1030. It's like, oh, about to sleep. And it's like, is it late there? Like, well, a little bit, you know, I can chat a little bit. So it's like finding those little times. And a lot of time, like people who work, you know, they work a nine to five in Ohio. Well, 
they get, you know, they get off at like five. Well, that's our 11. And I'm like tired and not really in a headspace where I want to, you know, have a conversation and they're not available during the day. So finding those times to connect has been a little bit of a challenge. One way to remedy that, that I'm really excited to get more into is letter writing. Uh, my friend Kendra actually is the first person who wrote a letter to me and I wrote, wrote her back and get, figured out the mail. And that was again, a little bit of a process to figure out and how to, how that worked and at the, at our building and again, a little bit more difficult with the language barrier just to figure out our address things like that and how the mail is written it's last name first and but no, i'm really excited to be able to not have to worry about what time it is when i'm writing this letter because they'll receive it and yeah so that's been really cool another thing that's we've been trying that's helpful is you know, whatsapp you know everyone in europe of course you know it's everyone's on so if we meet someone and hey what's What's your WhatsApp? And so that's been cool um, to communicate. And um, that's why I called my mom on yes last night. Um, it's nice because it doesn't use minutes. Like my phone, I have an international plan, which again, I have 250 minutes, which isn't terrible. But again, if I cap and just use my cellular data, which I have way more of, there you go. So I've been able to uh, you know, do that and, like, and identify mentally like, okay, who's more flexible with time? Who has more availability? Who can I call now? And just kind of yeah so that's been a process Nathan. yeah i never lived you know that far away from as many people so it's just got to be a little bit more creative you're living an experience right now darren that is i think a dream for so yeah. many people like you said you're kind of on a sabbatical for two yeah. years in italy and yeah you get to sort of like decompress you get to soak up the country that your great great grandparents came from i mean yeah what a what a like an amazing opportunity to, to to do this and the fact that you guys just did it and you've got your you've got your dog and your cats there with you i mean what a just yeah like, what a dream yeah i don't want to take any of this for granted at all and i want to yeah it is an extreme extreme gift that we have and yeah 100 percent um it's interesting i was you know one of the hardest parts of leaving was telling my clients like you know I've spent you know that time developing a relationship with them and had to say you know goodbye and they they're like oh, well, I'm sad you're leaving, but yeah, go, go. Like, of course, you have to do this, and, you know. So I think it's kind of happened at the right time, like before we were settled down and you know really locked in with kids, and you know definitely would be a lot more disruptive in most any other time of our lives. And we're both in a place in our careers where this is doable, and yeah, hundred percent. No, I am extremely, extremely lucky, and so I wish anybody for my if I had advice to give, it'd be if you have an opportunity to do something like this, 100%, you know, just do it. Well, Thanks. Darren, I feel like now I have a friend that I can reach out to next time I'm going to be in Milan. And yes, please do. Like an aperitivo and maybe. Yes, that would be amazing. No, I feel, feel, feel the same way, Nathan. So this has been a real treat for me. Yeah, well, this has been great for me as well. I, I'm so excited for you and Josh. Thank you. I'm looking forward to one of these days, the, the four of us getting together and going out and having a, whether you guys find yourself in this area again, or whether we find ourselves over there or who knows, Salzburg or somewhere else. A hundred percent. And I look forward to that, Nathan, for sure. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us and for sharing and just Mm -hmm. answering all these rapid fire questions I just threw at you. Safe travels to you and Josh going back to visit family. And I look forward to staying in Good touch. Answer. Sounds like a plan. Ciao, ciao.
Well, Vera, now that we've heard an American's experience living in the region of Lombardia, now it's time to hear what a real Italian who was born and raised and grew up and spent half of her life in this region. I'm curious to hear what you have to share with us today. So Vera, take it away. Lombardia, here we are. So, well, it's in the northern part of Italy, right? In the center, right? I mean, east-western. It's in the center of northern Italy. It borders Piemonte, Trentino Alto Adige, Veneto, Emilia-Romagna, and Switzerland. Uh, and in particular, Canton Ticino, so the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland, and Grigioni, uh, Graubünden, I don't know how you call it in English, but it's the, the part, St. Moritz, basically, mm -hmm. the famous ski resort. So that's where Lombardia is. It is the fifth biggest region in Italy, so not huge, but is the, the first most populated region with almost 10 million people. Now, the second most populated region is Lazio with 5.7 million people. Uh-huh, so you're starting to see the problem here, right? <laughs> now, the capital city of Lombardia is Milano, of course. And then there are a lot of provinces. So let me read them because I don't remember them all. Bergamo, Brescia, Como, Cremona, Lecco, Lodi, Mantova, Monza e Brianza, Pavia, Sondrio e Varese. Now, the most famous areas in Lombardia are the lakes. Lake Como, of course, with the towns of Bellagio, Cernobbio, and Varenna, the three most famous where all tourists go. Lake Garda, well, half of it, it's in Lombardia. Lake Maggiore, half of it is in Lombardia. So you have cities like um, Limone del Garda, for example, if we're talking about the Garda Lake. And then there is also Lake Iseo, smaller one, but gorgeous and Lugano Lake. So the lake in Switzerland, but part of it is in Italy. And then there are the mountains. I mean, the Alps in Italy are not as famous and as beautiful as the Alps in Trentino Alto Adige or Veneto, you know, the Dolomiti or Val d'Aosta, but still beautiful. And there are a few ski areas that are very, very famous, not only in Italy, but all over. Europe. And those are Livigno, Livigno, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It takes one hour to get there, just, you know, in the middle of all the mountains. Bormio, mm -hmm. they had a couple of um, World Cup for ski there. And Madesimo. Anyway, so those are the areas you might know. <laughs> and yes, it is the region where I was born. And I was born near Milan in a little town called Abbiategrasso. If you speak some Italian, that is really embarrassing because the name Abbiategrasso, it derives from Latin, Abbiagens, and it was something like rich people. Mm -hmm. That's what it meant because probably there was a family there that was ruling over the area. But you know how uh, languages evolve from Latin into old Italian and then Italian. And what happens that now, abbiate grasso means you have fat. 
it doesn't sound great as a name, but here it is, Abbiate Grasso. So not far from Milan. And my mom was from there. I mean, she moved there when she was three. And then when I was around eight, we moved um, to Vigevano, a beautiful town in the province of Pavia, so still Lombardia. And from there, we a couple of years later, we moved uh, in the Lake Como area to Erba, another little town, um, just not in the middle of the two branches of Lake Como. And then to another town, Bozizio Parini, where my parents lived until a few months ago. And that is near Lecco. So I went Milan, Pavia, Como, Lecco. There it is, my life in Lombardia. And as a child or a teenager or a young adult from Lombardia, I was very, I would probably say naive. I don't know. I thought that the whole, well, the whole country, I mean, Italy was like Lombardia. But then you travel and you figure out that it's very, very different. It's quite unique because it's so crowded. We have so many things. Everything is so close. I don't know. You need a special shop. You need a hospital. You need a school. Everything is like five minutes from where you are. Okay. And I remember the first time, this is like the stupidest thing. Sorry, but I'm kind of on a roll today. It's a, our crazy bonus episode. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I remember that I was an, almost an adult already. And I read somewhere, you know, this statistics. In Italy, there are, I don't remember the number, but it was very, very low number, uh, ATM machines in Italy, in the whole country. And I was like, that's not possible. I mean, we live in the smallest town in Lombardia, like Bosizio Parini, and we have three. That's simply not possible. And then, you know, you start traveling and you need cash and you find out that there is not a single ATM machine for, I don't know, 20 minutes drive when you live in Tuscany or Umbria, because, you know, it's so sparse here. So we just have a different idea. And people from Lombardia are, you know, the stereotype for the people from Lombardia is that we are kind of posh. We are always in a hurry. We are, you know, the city guys. And that is, I would say, true for the area around Milan. But Lombardia has a lot of agricultural area too. Anyway, we are always in a hurry. We speak very fast. And we always, you know, dressed up. I don't know, kind of city life in Lombardia. But let me tell you something about the geography so you better understand people there. Now, we can divide Lombardia in three main areas. From north to south, we have the Alps and the pre-Alps, so the mountains, and the highest is around four, more than 4,000 meters above sea level, and that means more than 13,000 uh, 13, feet. And that's where all, most of the lakes are. And then there are the hills, and wine is made there. And finally, there is the plain, so the flat land with many rivers. The most famous is the Po that goes all the way right from Piedmont to Venice. But then we have the Ticino, the Adda, and many more. Now, the you see three totally different areas. The climate is 
I would say continental most of the time. So the summers are hot and the winters are cold. And Lombardy is like the leading industrial region in Italy and commercial. So you have factories and offices, offices and factories and skyscrapers, okay? But it's also the first, and I guess you would never, you know, thought about it or guessed it. It is the first region in Italy for food farming. A lot of farms in Lombardia. It's a, it's actually a leading agricultural area. Rice, wheat, corn, sugar beets, cereals, vegetables, fruit trees, mulberries, and wines and olives. Okay, olives not main region, but still. So you see, there are mountains in the north, and then the hills, and all these industries, and then the area that is all agricultural. So basically out of 10 million people living in Lombardia, 90% live in the same area around Milan and North. So the Brianza part, the Prealp, the Prealpi, that's how we call it. So it's even more crowded for that because half of Lombardia is just agricultural land. And that's why the area is so different from everything else. You have big malls and it's like, yeah, I I wouldn't say New York, obviously, but it has that huge city vibe. Know what I mean? Milan is way smaller than London or New York, even mention that, but all the towns around it, if you drive out of Milan and you go towards Lake Como, it's still one town after the other, like a huge city. So basically, everybody lives in the city there, in that area. While if you go south or west of Milan, you find beautiful hills and just flat and with a lot of just agriculture. Did you know that about Lombardia? Um, I don't think I realized how much agriculture land. I knew it was the most populated region, but I didn't think I realized that that had that much agricultural land i knew it had some but i didn't know it had that much that's very interesting so basically it's the perfect region well i <laughs> literally ran away from it but <laughs> it produced it produced the perfect vera sapsano so i mean come on yeah it's pretty perfect it is perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it. Every time I go there, and that's what we were discussing before, uh, I look at the mountains. I look at the Prealpi especially, because those are just perfect. You have snow-capped mountains, but they're not as high as the real Alps that are a little bit further north. And the lakes, I mean, not just Lake Como, there are a lot of tiny, tiny lakes. Even the town where I live has a tiny lake, and I go there and take you know, a walk in the morning and they're so dark blue. And especially when it's windy, it's perfect. And just no pink mountains with the sun. It's just so beautiful. But you have to wear earplugs because of all the cars and sirens in the background. Or you have to just look up at the top of the mountains because from mid-mountain to the foot of the mountain, it's just houses and factories and more houses and more cars 
Okay. There's my favorite gelateria ever, the best gelato I ever had. And it's not just me. All people I took there say the same thing. It's just the best gelato ever. It's like normal gelato, gelateria, you know, gelato place. You just go there. And it has this terrace or, you know, veranda outside. You just can't be there because there's a road right in front of it. And it's always traffic and jam. And either they're just there waiting for, you know, to go. They're stuck in traffic. Or the cars and trucks are running, but it's like one after the other. And it's just crazy. You have, I don't know how many thousands of cars a day. And you cannot enjoy your gelato. So Lombardia to me, it's like the Excalibur Gelateria. It's a beautiful region. It's an amazing ice cream, but you, gelato, sorry, not ice cream, but you can't enjoy it. You cannot fully enjoy it. And it's always been like that. But in the past 10 years, most, more, I would say, yeah, more towns around Lake Como and around Lake Maggiore and around even Lake Garda became famous. I mean, Lake Como with Bellagio has always been famous, but now people are discovering that there are so many more, you know, villages and towns that are so beautiful there. So there was us, the real Lombardi, and then now all the tourists coming, especially uh, from Germany, Switzerland, United States, of course, um, the UK, the United Kingdom. So you really have a lot of tourists too. And that doesn't help. And you have the biggest mall in Italy, the biggest this, the biggest that, and you know all these city things. But you also have this beautiful nature that you cannot fully enjoy. That's it. That's mm. why I'm so sorry because I love it. It would be so beautiful if only there were less people there. Yep, I can understand that. Now, I'll be very quick about the history of Lombardia. So we had the people living there starting from the second millennia before Christ. And that was the Camuni, a famous population. They left um, evidence of their life there. Uh, and if you're into archaeology, you can go and visit that. And then uh, the Etruscans were there, the, the same that are here in Tuscany. And then they were, uh, Lombardia was invaded by uh, Celtic and Gallic tribes. And uh, finally, it uh, became a part of the Roman Empire. And it was a Roman province under the name of Gallia Cisalpina. Now, you know how the word Gallia actually refers to France, in Galli, like France. But you can start to see how this part of Italy was actually part of different countries, not lo only local. After the fall of the Western Roman Empire, so uh, let's say the sixth century, the a Germanic tribe, so the Lombards invaded the area. And this Germanic tribe uh, gave the name to the region and they were there in their rule for, um, yeah, not a very long time because then, um, Charles the Great conquered Lombardy and basically annexed uh, this part of Italy to its kingdom. And I mean, it is very interesting because 
um, Monza, this city not far from Milan, uh, became the capital city of the Lombard reign, especially under Queen Theodolinda and their beautiful architecture there in Monza, but also Como and Milan, you can still say something. Uh, but in Monza, you can see a crown, so special, Regina Theodolinda, it has a long legend. Anyway, if you are in Lombardia, visit Monza for history. It's just beautiful. Anyway, we go to the 15th century, so modern time, and Milan uh, was a major power back then, um, economic and even military power in Europe. And basically, uh, after a battle in the 1500s, Milan became a possession of the Habsburgs of Spain. Okay, so we have France, we have Spain. Right. And then in 1706, the Austrians came to power in Lombardia. Mm -hmm. So now people from Austria are here and they ruled uninterrupted until the late 18th century. So let's say for uh, a century. And then Napoleon came and the French armies again. And then you know how mid 1800s Italy went through this whole unification process. Well, of course, Lombardia also became part of the newly created kingdom of Italy. Mm -hmm. So all people from Germanic tribes and Austria and France and the Habsburg from Spain, but still Habsburg. So that is it. Now, a few fun facts about my region. Mm -hmm. Milano, it's like the, okay. I hope no one from Rome is listening right now. In Milan, in Lombardia, we say Milano Capitale, Roma Succursale. So Milan is the real capital city of Italy and Rome is just a branch. <laughs> <laughs> That's just us being a little bit sassy, you know. But yes, it is a very important commercial, economical power. A lot of industries are there. Uh, it's Milan is famous for design. You know, we have a design week, the fashion week. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the Quadrilatero della Moda, uh, this rose in Milan where all the high-hand clothes shops are. Architecture, I mean, we have the most modern skyscrapers and area mm -hmm, in Milan. But also Milan is famous for aperitivi. We invented that. That's like part of our culture. After a long day of work, 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 you know, people in Milan always work. But then, eh no, adesso ci prendiamo un'afe, andiamo a fare un'afe, andiamo a fare un aperitivo in centro. So that's where the whole aperitivo thing sort of, yeah, started. And people turn it very soon in an apericena. So basically from aperitivo to cena. So you just eat tiny things here and there, and you don't even need to go to the restaurant after that. People from Rome make fun of us because of that. And they're like, oh, people from Milan, they cannot handle a real meal. They just want an aperitivo because they have to be fed. They have to be thin. They have to be, you know, skinny for fashion. That's just banter, you know, between Milan and Rome, but it's kind of funny. So if you want a real aperitivo, just go to Milan and that's where you have it. Have you had an aperitivo in Milan? I have. I, I did. It was quite lovely. And it felt like we were having an aperitivo with, well, we were 
having aperitivo with real Italians that had just gotten off work. And Alessandro, who went to school there and lived there for a while, uh, several years, he um, he took us to this one area that was along a canal. I'm sure you know exactly where I'm talking about, Vera. What is that? <clears throat> Sorry, just a second. I think I interrupted you. Um, what is that area along the canal called, Vera? It's called Inavigli. So Navigli is the name we give to the canals in Milan. Because, yeah, Milan has canals. It used to have way more. It was well, not like Amsterdam or Venice, but still, it used to have more. And then they covered them, but there's still an area with a lot of, well, with a few Navigli. And that's where all the Movida is, like, when you go and party hard. So that's kind of like one of the most famous places for locals, at least, to go for an aperitivo, right? It is. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's more touristy or do you feel like it's a pretty good local spot to go? Because it felt more local to me than touristy when we were there. It is. It is local because tourists, well, first of all, tourists tend to skip Milan. They shouldn't. But they tend to skip it because they go like, okay, there is a church. Well, let me go to Lake Como or let me go to, you know, other major cities. But in Milan, well, that was my next fun fact. There's the biggest church in Italy. It's the Duomo di Milano. Now, I, you know, sort of tricked you because the biggest church is obviously St. Peter's Cathedral. In, but it's not in Rome. You see, it's in Città del Vaticano, which is a state. So officially, the biggest church in Italy is the Duomo in Milan. And there's this amazing example of uh, Gothic architecture. And it's just so, so beautiful with the piazza in front and, you know, the Galleria. So you have these porches where you can go shopping. And it's just so beautiful. But it's not only for that. There are a lot of other churches that you can visit and that are beautiful. And then there's the Pinacoteca di Brera. A lot of art is there. So you can see paintings. And the Castello Sforzesco, obviously. So the castle where the, uh, Sforza lived. And Leonardo da Vinci lived in Milan. And the Last Supper, you know, the fresco is in Milan. And it's just... Wow, such an experience. Just so beautiful. And there, there are museums, um, even, you know, Science and Technology Museum, where I worked for about five years, by the way. There's the Natural Science Museum. There are a lot of, you know, art museum, contemporary art museum. There's the Museo del Novecento. And there are a lot of, you know, things to see. And La Scala di Milano, I mean, the most famous opera theater in Italy is La Scala di Milano. The famous theater, every year they have, you know, the prima, so the premiere when the season opens and it's just so beautiful. Yeah, you, you have to visit Milan. Have you been to the Scala? Yes, I have, because I'm a little Lombarda. <laughs> you know what, it's kind of funny. I went there, I think two or three, yeah maybe three or four times, because they took us as kids in the morning. And I saw, I remember like the Nutcracker, the Schiaccianoci, and a few more, you know, things for kids, especially in the morning. Maybe Rigoletto? 
I don't remember. Probably could be, you know, <laughs> we're Italian. Now, a few more things about Lombardia. Panettone, now that it's almost Christmas, is from Milan. And gelato alla stracciatella. Do you know the stracciatella gelato? It's like, no? I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know if I really understand what the difference is. The difference between, it's a, it's a flavor. It's not a kind of gelato. It's one of the flavors. You know how you ask for a scoop of pistacchio and a scoop of chocolate. One of the flavors, the most famous flavors is stracciatella. It's like vanilla ice cream with chocolate chips into it. I mean, not chips, but yeah, like bites. And it was invented in Bergamo in 1971. Now, if you've never been to Bergamo, there's still that gelateria, Marinella, I think it's name, yeah. Um, they're still making gelato la stracciatella with the same machines they used back in the 60s, same idea, same recipe. And Bergamo is a wonderful city with two parts, one at the bottom, one at the top. And in sort of the local dialect is Bergamo de Ura, and you go in the upper part of town. And it's just beautiful, an historical center and all the mountains around it. You can even take a funicolare, not as famous as the one in Naples, of course, but it's a funicolare, um, and go even further up to see the city. And you can see all the way to Milan in a clear day. And that's where I went to university and I graduated, Bergamo. I'm done talking about my life in Lombardia. Let's talk about food. I know you love this part, right? Of course, this is my favorite. Well, I mean, I love it all, but food is, of course, you know, how can you go wrong? Gorgonzola, Taleggio. Those are the two most famous cheese from Lombardia. And uh, Bitto, not as famous as Gorgonzola and Taleggio, but also so good. And then we have some cold cuts or cured meat, whatever you want to call them, bresaola, bresaola. It's typical of the Valtellina area. So uh, in the Prealpi, Sondrio province. And then you have the salame d'oca di mortara. So kind of salami, salamino alla cacciatora. And I know that it's not famous for that, or maybe you don't know that they're from Lombardy, but Wow, there are 13 wine areas in Lombardy. 13, which is a lot for a region. You never think about it. And Francia Corta and Metodo Classico, for example, Spumanti. So basically, sparkling wine. Metodo Classico and, and Francia Corta are uh, Italian champagnes. And they're so good if you like sparkling wines, they're just the best. But then you have other wines like Oltre Popavese, so any wine produced in that area, and it could be red or white. And you have a Valtellina Superiore or Inferno, red wines. Really, very good. I mean, different from the Barolo in Piemonte or the Chianti in Tuscany, but still. Very good, especially if you like sparkling wines. As for dishes, well, risotto da milanese, that's just the most Lombard thing that there is. It's a risotto with saffron. 
basically. So it's, or as we called it as kids, risotto giallo, the yellow risotto. <laughs> and then the cotoletta alla milanese. Now it's nothing but a Wiener schnitzel, but the one made in Milan, you know, it's bigger and it's just fried meat basically, but very, very good. And then uh, if you go to the Valtellina, once again, you have pizzoccheri, which is a special kind of pasta that is made with, you know, just a little bit of regular flour, but mostly buckwheat flour. So it's dark and it tastes kind of sweet and it's so good. And then there are these short tagliatelle, because that's what pizzoccheri are, like short, dark tagliatelle, are cooked and served with uh, melted cheese, potatoes and cabbage. It's like a first dish. And then there's osso buco, osso buco. Now there's the word osso in there, which is bone and buco, which is like whole. So basically it's veal, shin, and you heat the whole bone part and you suck it out. Polenta. Now polenta is from all over in the northern part of Italy, but especially Lombardia. So people from other parts of Italy called us from the north polentoni because we eat a lot of polenta. Uh, oh, casonsei. Casonsei in Bergamo, there are special ravioli, special kind of ravioli. But the most you know, famous dish, it doesn't even have a translation in Italian. It just has this dialect name, which is cassola. Cassola. And it's uh, pork meat and sausage cooked for a very long time with vegetables and cabbage and then served. It's not a soup, but it's not even meat. It's kind of an in-betweenness. Have you ever tasted any of these dishes? Of course, but I certainly haven't tasted all of them. And I'm not sure if I want to have you cook them for me in Tuscany or for us to go and taste them together in Lombardia, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We have to go there together, uh, maybe in Valtellina or in Taleggio, where the cheese is made. Now, obviously, Milan um, is where many movies were set. Mm -hmm but also Lombardia in general with Lake Como, starting from George Clooney living there. Now that's where they shot Ocean's 12. And even singers, I mean, Milan as a big city has a lot of singers and groups coming from there and Lombardy in general. So for a song, I picked the most iconic song from the North and it's like, in in dialect from milan it was written in 1934 and if you ask any italian tell me a song from milan they will say oh mia bella madunina you remember when we did sicily our first episode that it went straight to churi churi because those are like the stereotypes oh mia bella madunina is oh my beautiful virgin mary and the Madonnina is a statue of the Virgin Mary that is on top of the Duomo, a golden one. And you can see it from Bergamo, you know, from very far away on a clear day when hopefully it was very windy the day before. So all the smog and the pollution 
are out of the way, otherwise you don't see it, but still, you can see it. Oh, mia bella madunina, tu t'adora piscinina che te prile de lontan. So it's all in dialect, but you, you have to know it's like part of our culture as Italians. And movies. That was a tough one because there were a lot of actors, especially in the 70s and 80s from Milan, like Renato Pozzetto, uh, or I don't know, even um, Celentano did a lot of movies there. I don't know, this whole thing. But I wanted to go with something more modern. And that was kind of, uh, I don't know, making fun of the people from Milan in a nice way, from people from Milan. So those are three men and they are a trio and they started with comedy, stand-up comedy, and then they became so famous and they did all kinds of movies. I love them. They're called Aldo, Giovanni, and Giacomo. And that's the, their name is a trio, Aldo, Giovanni, and Giacomo. And you have to say like, wait, like this in this order. It's like their name. And they did all sorts of movies one of them pretends to be from Sicily. I mean, he was born in Milan and he, <laughs> when he talks in real life, he has a Milan accent, but his family actually was from Sicily, so he can't pretend to be Sicilian. Anyway, and they made all sorts of movies. Most of the time they're traveling through Italy, but there is one and that I want to suggest today because I loved it. I loved so much. And there are also other amazing actors. All of them have this accent from Milan, especially the mother-in-law. If you watch it, you you know. Anyway, it's so, so funny. And it's La Banda dei Babbi Natale. So the Santa Clauses in the plural band. I don't think there's an English translation, so your Italian has to be good for this one. Oh, so you mean it's not dubbed into English. It's just you have to watch it maybe with subtitles? Mm-hmm, maybe. But the best way to watch an Italian movie is with Italian subtitles, which sounds crazy. But don't you think that's the best way to watch an Italian movie, Vera? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I always tell my students. Watch it in Italian with Italian subtitles. Well, thank you so much, Vera. It was so interesting to hear about this beautiful region of Lombardia from a local Lombard. Would it be a Lombarda? Sì, si, Lombarda. Mm -hmm. Local Lombarda. And before we get into today's surrounding sounds, I want to quickly thank our sponsors. ExpressVPN is a fabulous service that you're going to need when you move to Italy. You're going to need a, a VPN service. ExpressVPN just happens to be the best, and they also happen to be a sponsor. They also happen to offer three months for free to our listeners when you sign up for a one-year program. So visit imovingtoitaly.com and click on the links to ExpressVPN. Also, if you're looking for a wonderful Italian language program that you can pull out and use anytime you are trying to study your Italian that's better than Duolingo, better than Pimsleur, better than any of the other programs, I've used them all, you're going to want to use Babbel Language. Babbel Language offers a wonderful 50 to 60% discount depending on the time of the year that you buy. If you buy during a holiday, they often have lifetime membership deals means you only have to pay once and you have their program for life. 
I personally think that's the best way to go. That's the program I have. And you get to use it for any of their languages. Whatever new language you want to tackle, they have it for you. So you can check out imovingtoitaly.com and click on the links to Babbel Language. If you want the best Italian language coach that there is, which is my Italian language coach, and of course, the co-host of this podcast, our very own Vera Sarzano, you can check out kikelanguage.com, that's C-H-I-C-C-H-E, language.com, and Vera will be happy to squeeze you into her ever full schedule of students. Vera still has some availability less, but I don't know how much more you could possibly squeeze in, Vera, because you are so booked up, which I love how busy you are. Anyway, you can visit Vera kikelanguage.com and schedule maybe in the future an available time to have the very best Italian language coach, either for one-on-one or for group classes. And also, if you are looking for some help moving to Italy and you need someone to sort of hold your hand through the process and help you avoid making some of the same mistakes that he made, you can visit imovingtoitaly.com and click on the links for Coaching with Nathan, and I would be thrilled to be your personal Move to Italy coach and help you with anything that you need, whether it's something very small and specific or whether it's for big picture overall planning and plotting and strategizing. All right, well, that brings us to our surrounding sounds and the The sound I'm going to share with you is from the city of Milan, which we talked a lot about today. Last year, when I was coming back to Italy in December to spend Christmas here and the next eight months here alone, I flew into Milan, which I normally don't do, but the best flights were flying into Milan. So I flew into the airport in Milan, and then I took the train into Milano Centrale, and I sort of got lost in the process. I was extremely tired because I don't sleep on airplanes, and I think I had gone through a crazy ordeal like I normally do when I fly prior to leaving. And I got there exhausted. My phone was dead. It was extremely cold because in the winter, Milan is very, very cold because it's northern city. And I wasn't dressed warmly enough, and I was tired, and I was struggling through the station, and I was like, oh, if only my phone wasn't dead, I could call Veta, and she would tell me where to go right now because she's very familiar with the city. And so anyway, these are some sounds arriving into Milano, sounds from on the train and in the station. So enjoy these surrounding sounds, and we'll be back afterwards to say goodbye.
Vera, could you recognize any of those sounds that sound like your city of Milano? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what made me escape to Tuscany, because I didn't <laughs> want to hear that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all those crowds, all that hustle and bustle. Yep, I'm with you, Vera. You're visiting me in Tuscany. I can wait five more days and you're going to be here. Yay! I cannot believe I can't believe it. Thanksgiving one week and the next week Tuscany with Vera and Luca. We're going to have such a blast. I can't wait. Vera, thank you again so much for sharing with us about this wonderful home region of Lombardia with us today. And we can't wait to be in your new region of Tuscany with you in just a few days. And I can't wait to have you and Alessandro here, finally meeting Alessandro in person. I can't believe that. <sighs> I still can't believe you haven't met him yet. But anyway, whatever. It's good. It, it's gonna feel like you guys are old friends anyway. It already does, so I don't know. It's just a formality at this point. Yeah. Well, wherever you are listening to the sound of our voices today, we hope you are healthy and well, and we look forward to being here with you next week to share a new episode with you and talk about our trip to Tuscany. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao. <laughs>